Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. One of the things that my guest and I are going to talk about today is the importance of buying things locally, uh, and that is uh, a small thing that you can do to combat colonialism on a uh, local level is to buy stuff as locally as humanly possible. Uh, you might not necessarily be buying things from folks who are indigenous to the place where you live, but anything that combats large-scale globalization and capitalism does help a little bit in the fight against colonization because, let's face it, <laughs> colonization, colonialism, and capitalism, the, those things go hand in hand. So uh, I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on, where the foods and drinks that you consume come from, and of course also with the indigenous communities of the area where you live. So today's show is all about sparkling water, uh, very specifically a uh, new line of sparkling waters called Vivo, created by my guest for today's show, Ted Grant. Ted Grant is the co-founder of Vivo. They're a blend of real Canadian fruit, Canadian mineral water that's uh, super refreshing, really tasty, and made with literally just two ingredients. Uh, so like I've got a can here in front of me of their pressed tart cherry flavored sparkling water, and I'm looking at the ingredients list and it's literally carbonated natural mineral water non-alcoholic cherry cider and non-alcoholic apple cider technically three ingredients but like you know looking at the two fruit ciders as as one type of ingredient it makes sense uh literally they just they just you know distill fruit down to ciders and mix it with mineral water and that's it that's that's the drink there are no other additives and it's uh, super tasty really delicious they did uh, as a disclaimer send me a huge box of these to try out as a way of saying thanks for the interview but we weren't like paid for a review or anything so everything that i say that's favorable about them is genuine and that is to say that i really really like vivo i really like the flavor of the drinks i really like the way that they swallow that's a weird thing to say but like you know sometimes carbonated drinks like when you swallow them you burp immediately i don't like that i don't like an aggressive carbonation and they have a really smooth drink ability factor i guess when i'm at a loss for words i'm just gonna let you hear the sound of it as i open a can pour it into my mouth and enjoy it <sighs> delicious Chef Grant is a Michelin star chef, a food product developer, and a senior business leader who's been working across five continents and supporting a variety of roles all within the culinary sector. His latest venture, Vivo, which we're here to talk to him about today, is where all of his experience to date has led him. He is incredibly passionate about the use of real and local ingredients uh, and showcasing the amazing agriculture and products coming out of Canada. So uh, we're going to get into that in a major way in a minute. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the history of soft drinks and of carbonated drinks in general. I just finished reading a fascinating book by Tom Standage called 
a history of the world in six glasses. And I'm going to include a link where you can check that out in the description of this episode as well. That basically goes through a sort of overview of world history through examples looking at like six different drinks. So like we get beer and wine and spirits and coffee and tea and Coca-Cola. And so in this last chapter about Coca-Cola, it gets into all of the sort of history behind how Coke and sort of, you know, carbonated drinks in general became as popular as they are. And it's really interesting because one of the major kind of driving factors behind the success of Coke and carbonated drinks like it was this desire for people to have something that was tasty and refreshing in the way that like a beer would be, but non-alcoholic because, you know, prohibition was a thing at the time. But also this factor of unclean drinking water, which uh, I wish was just a historical problem, but there are a lot of people today who still have unclean drinking water. So at the, at the root of every major drink-based movement in, in global society over thousands of years, there is one thing in common, and that is that people needed a safer thing to drink than just straight-up water. You know, you could boil the water to, to purify it or whatever, but... They wanted something that was more tasty than just straight up boiled water, which fair enough. And that's how we ended up with things like beer and wine and, and spirits is that they were all safer to drink than just straight up water because the process of fermenting them, of, of carbonating them, of turning them into more than just water cleaned them a little bit, purified them a little bit, while also giving them these other qualities. So when we look at Coca-Cola and sparkling water and, and sodas, those kind of came about originally as a sort of patent medicine, which is to say uh, a, a pseudoscience pharmaceutical alternative to actual medicine, uh, where pharmacists would carbonate water and, you know, infuse it with flavors and tell people this has, you know, crazy healing properties. And, you know, most of the time, I think probably safe to say like 95% of the time, maybe even 100% of the time, it was entirely placebo. But they were able to sell these carbonated drinks to people in order to, you know, convince them that it was some kind of a remedy at a time when there was a kind of general distrust for big medicine and, and science writ large. And uh, Coca-Cola was originally invented as a sort of patent medicine like this. And it wasn't until Prohibition and the Great Depression and World Wars 1 and 2 that Coke really became more of a like product for refreshment and enjoyment than just a, you know, another one of these patent drinks. Um and I think it's really interesting to think about that sort of that sort of trajectory, right? Where we any time that we have a sort of revolution in the things that we drink, it is brought about by some kind of need that needs to be filled, which is maybe obvious, right? Most revolutions are brought about by a need that needs to be filled. But I think especially with drinks, it tends to be one where we say, look, there is not a version of this thing that enough people in this context can drink. Whether it's people getting really, really into tea because they wanted a form of caffeine that was cheaper to produce than coffee, or, or whether it's people getting into coffee because they can't drink alcoholic drinks because it's against their religion. There are so many things that cause people to go, what can we have instead that will fill this need? And carbonated drinks fill the need, right? <laughs> and Vivo, I think, is doing exactly that. It is filling the need for a carbonated drink that actually feels like you are drinking juice while also being carbonated. Because I think if we're being real, like, I love a good sparkling water. I love carbonated drinks. I drink, you know, San Pellegrino on an almost daily basis at work because I have access to it and it's tasty. But there is not enough 
kind of locally sourced ingredients going into things like this, right? I mean, even San Pellegrino that I just listed is, I'm pretty sure, an Italian import, uh, and I don't live in Italy. But on top of that, it's also very sugary, right? It's It's got all these other things in it. And that's what I love about Vivo is that that ingredient list I read to you earlier, it's two things, technically three in this flavor, but but two core things. And both of them are sourced close by to where they're they're canned and produced and and where they're purchased is close to there as well. And there's something really beautiful about that and something really exciting about that. And I think that in in the year of 2022 where I'm recording this, that is the direction that I think a lot of products that people are buying are going in, right? We're going in this direction where we want our products to be locally sourced. We want things to give back to our community. We want to kind of cut the environmental footprint of the products that we're purchasing, right? So so if I'm buying a can of soda that's been imported from Italy, that had to come over on a plane or probably even on a boat. If I'm buying a product that was made, you know, in Ontario, they drove it over. It took like an hour. <laughs> it uses much less fuel. It uses much less transportation. It cuts the cost of that a little bit as well. And all of those are good things in combating climate change. All of those are good things in sustaining our planet a little bit more. And it's a tasty product to boot. So I think that Vivo is doing something really important, really cool here. And I am really excited to be able to share this conversation with its co-founder, Ted Grant, with all of you. Uh, the last little disclaimer before I start this episode, uh, I was very, very sick when I recorded it. So if my voice is a little bit rough, uh, I would really like you to forgive me on that one because, uh, hey, these things happen. People get sick. They strain their way through a podcast instead of rescheduling it because they don't want to have to reschedule on a guest that they're excited about. These things happen, okay? People get sick. Get over it. Get into it. Here is my conversation with Chef Ted Grant. All right, we have a very special guest joining us on today's show. Chef Ted Grant is a Michelin star chef, food product developer, and senior business leader working across five continents and supporting a variety of roles all within the culinary sector. Ted, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me, Tom. So uh, before we, uh, later in the show, I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about this newest project you're working on. But uh, before we get to that, how about you give us a little idea of yourself in terms of your relationship to food? T- tell us how you grew up eating, what you eat now, what your sort of passion is when it comes to all things culinary. Well, it's a great question because it links to why I started this next project that we'll talk about later in the show. But uh, I was very fortunate to grow up in Nova Scotia with a grandfather who was a farmer. And so real ingredients were a huge part of our daily life. We harvested everything from the land. We ate fresh ingredients, including produce. We had our own livestock, uh, lots of fresh fruit. And so it became evidently clear to me that there was nothing at all like choosing to eat real ingredients and eating real ingredients that came directly from the earth. Mm. And so moving on, as I, as I got older and as I became um, you know, more interested in the finished ingredients in the kitchen, I, I realized really quickly my mom and my grandparents were such great cooks. Um, none of them had any professional certification, but they all were just so interested in taking the real ingredients um, that my, my grandfather grew and turning them into something spectacular. And it was only using these fresh ingredients that made the meals taste so special. And so food really hasn't been about 
shopping, you know, the middle of the grocery store for me and all those convenience foods that might be in frozen sections. It's been about using produce and using protein, whether plant-based or meat-based uh, or, or um, sea, seafood um, to, you know, to really create um, memorable moments, special moments, um, all connected to where things came from. And, and so food became a part, obviously, um, of our daily lives and growing it and eating what we, what, we, um, what we produced. But more importantly, it was a connection to health for us. And um, because I was so fortunate to only eat real ingredients and homemade food, um, when I tasted anything from quick service restaurant food to convenience food, it didn't make me feel really good. Mm. And so, you know, as time has gone on and ingredient lists have grown on, um, you know, consumer packaged goods and, you know, different labels um, throughout the Canadian grocery stores, I, you know, have always gone back to my roots and I've always wanted to focus on um, only choosing the best and freshest ingredients that you possibly can. And I know you know, moving from a, a teenager to, you know, a, someone in their early 20s who gravitated to a culinary profession. That's really what made me gravitate to that. That's what made me inspired um, to follow a culinary path is to be able to take these amazing real ingredients and turn them into something super special and then pass that on both to, you know, the consumers, the, the customers that I, that I served um, for so many years as a chef to make them realize that all of this, all of these great plates and all these great meals that I would serve were all because I sourced the most amazing, fresh and real ingredients. And now I do that for my kids. And, um, and so I'm passing that on to them. And it's funny, actually, last night I made um, a really special fish dish. And I thought to myself, you know, a lot of kids would just turn up their nose at this dish, but my eight and 10 year old dig in um, with excitement and enthusiasm to taste those fresh flavors. Mm. And that's because I've never really given them anything but that choice. Um, you know, choosing all of the, the ingredients that I've referenced you know, shopping the, the outside of the store and, and picking, you know, the freshest ingredients, it gives them that opportunity to grow up knowing that, um, you know, not to settle and, and to choose meals that make mm. them feel good, make them sleep well, make them active, make them better learners. And, um, you know, that's my connection to food. I love that. I, I really appreciate the sort of the sort of holistic approach that comes along with that to food, right? Of like food is not just about, you know, sustaining yourself. It's it's really about fueling you for every element of your life. Well, that's it. And I think, Tom, you know, if you don't eat well, then you don't sleep well. And if you don't sleep well, then you don't feel like moving your body. Right. And so it's just all so connected. And, you know, society has filled in the um the pieces with all of this garbage that's available to you when you're missing those three core elements and they're trying to you know energy drinks well why the heck would we need energy drinks <laughs> if, if we if we slept well sure. and, and we followed regular patterns why would we need convenience foods if we just took the time to make something fresh and it doesn't need to take half hour 45 minutes or an hour it can be just about putting the most simple ingredients on the plate. But nourishment is connected to 
absolutely everything that we do. Mm. And that's, you know, what, that's what I learned so early on. And, you know, that's, that's been my motivation, um, moving forward, you know, in, into my forties now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting, like the fresh ingredients versus convenience food thing it frustrates me a little bit because like you're totally right that like the fresh stuff is what we should be giving ourselves right everything that we need all of the nutrients are available in all of the freshest products but for a lot of people who live in areas where capitalism has kind of screwed them they don't have the same access to that right and those convenience foods sometimes are the only option and it's like it's frustrating to me as someone who does have the option that i know that that's not true for everybody because the reality is not everybody does get to grow up on a farm right a lot of people grow up in cities some people grow up in food deserts it's uh it's it's tricky (laughs) it's it's definitely tricky no it is there's a lot of complexities to it and the you know, some of the greatest challenges are related to capitalism. Um, I know that's why we're not here. Uh, <laughs> we're not meant to be talking about, but it is reflected in what um, is readily available to to the masses. And it is, um, you know, there's, there is standouts. There, there are companies like Chipotle, for example, who do an a, a excellent job of providing people real ingredients close to home um, whenever possible. But, um, you know, for the most part, I always say when people are shopping for groceries, just stick with produce, stick with, you know, meat, and then, um, you know, obviously find that incredible, healthy, real ingredient beverage. But other than <laughs> that, it's, a, uh, it's it, for the most part, just stay out of those, uh, those middle aisles. Sure, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's get into that a little bit. So you teased it, I teased it, we've been teasing it. You have a new product that you have developed and are putting out into the world. Is it available already for purchase? Yes, exactly. Awesome. It, it is. It's called Vivo. And um, it is a sparkling mineral water mm-hmm. with fresh uh, pressed fruit. So we do a 50-50 blend. We do 50% fresh pressed fruit and 50% high mineral content water. That's 50-50, wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. And I was inspired to create it um, because of what's available and what's on the shelf now in competitive set. Most of the products now are just tap water and, uh, and fake flavoring described on the label as natural flavors. And... Um, I thought as a chef and my co-founder, who's a, um, a vintner sommelier, we both tasted so many of these products and thought that everybody had settled. I mean, what the heck is wrong <laughs> with people's palates that they were willing to drink, you know, some of these um, some of these sparkling waters that were fruit flavored, but clear. I sure. mean, when was the last time you stepped on a blackberry or a raspberry and it was clear? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's unheard of. So sure, why yeah. are people accepting of that? And, you know, you're not going to go to the produce section and buy clear fruit. So why are they drinking clear fruit flavored drinks? They must know that they're not real because they don't taste real and they don't pour and look real. And so I thought, you know, based on my my background and based on all of those years that I referenced earlier on the show, there's got to be a better way. And there must be an opportunity to provide people with a better option. Right, And so we set out to do just that. And so we created Vivo to really inspire a real ingredient movement in the, in the sparkling water category. 
again, everything had fake flavoring and everything just had tap water. And we happened to, in the Annapolis Valley, have these amazing apples and blueberries and cherries and strawberries. And then we were able to couple that with a high mineral content water, not just a plain old urban water, but a rural spring water. And so what you've got is you've got something super healthy, super refreshing, and that tastes like the fruit it says it's supposed to taste like. Right. I mean, what a surprise. Yeah, and the other cool thing about it is that it's lightly sparkling. So the thing that we found in our research was that so many people had adverse reactions to a lot of bubbles, to sure. a lot of CO2. And I find it as well when you, you know, when you take down a really carbonated drink, you know, you bloat and mm-hmm. you feel really full and sometimes it's unpleasant. And so what we wanted to do, just like you would in a culinary way, is we wanted to excite the senses. We wanted to create a really memorable, magical moment in your mouth by having a light bubble, like a champ- like a champagne bubble. Hmm. And so this is shaking up the category of this drink because it's providing real ingredients, it's providing an incredible mineral water, and it's providing a light sparkle. I love that. So I used to drink heavily when I was in my like late teens, early 20s, and I've been <laughs> sober for a while now as a result of that. Um, but when I, when I quit drinking alcohol, I very soon after also stopped drinking soda as frequently because I found the, the bubbles of, say, a can of Coke were like making me want to drink beer you know? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And so I kind of, I cut out soda for a little while as a result. And now I'll have some here and there, but I find especially having gone off it for a long time, every time I have a glass of something super carbonated, I really feel, I mean, I immediately get the hiccups. I immediately feel bloated. Sometimes the flavor is good, but like it really doesn't, it's not something I crave. Usually I'll drink it if I'm given it with a meal, but I don't really go for it. Um, But I do drink a lot of sparkling water because I do like that you know I, I i find that a little more palatable and for sure there are some that that have a lot more of that carbonation going on than others and i think you're absolutely right to go for something lightly sparkling over something kind of aggressive yeah i think it's about finding your wedge you know it's a very <laughs> saturated it's a very it's a very busy category sure and uh, it's owned by the big big brands and so in order to compete against the Pepsis and the Cokes of the world, mm-hmm. you've got to be disruptive. <laughs> and what you find is that, you know, call it the big five in grocery, sure. they do things that are cheap and they do things that provide people convenience. I mean, they know how to market to people. Of course. What we've learned is that there is a whole tribe of Vivo lovers out there. There is a whole group of Canadians that have been crying out for something like this, yeah. something real, something less bubbly, something that has a transparent and honest story behind it, something that is believable, something that you can rally behind because you're supporting a community of farmers and you're doing something that is so much more when you purchase this for your community and your country than just fake flavor and tap water. And so you know, the, the trend right now is to connect people with where your food comes from. And we're the only sparkling water 
that we've found in North America that can do that. So you mentioned earlier the Annapolis Valley as kind of the setting where all of these fruits are are from and that draws the inspiration for you. Is that where all of the fruit that's going into this is harvested? Like what how much can you tell us about that sort of behind the scenes of the fruit process? Well, we tell you we'll tell you everything. We'll tell you everything about it because that's what we're all about. Love it. We're about honesty and truth and transparency and trust. And um, so the apples currently all come from the Annapolis Valley. The blueberries are coming from New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, and they're the wild blueberry. Nice. The tart cherries are coming from Ontario, and the strawberries are all from Nova Scotia. Okay. Now, the cool thing about Vivo is that Vivo is meant to be a celebration of community and a celebration of local agriculture wherever it is sold. So uh, to give you some um, some breaking news on this podcast, uh, we're opening up a second facility in Calgary. Okay. And we're going to start using producing with uh, water from the Kootenai Mountains. And we're going to be producing with Okanagan fruit. Amazing. And so... The, yeah, that's it's an amazing story because then it localizes it. Then it right. becomes that much more special for our audience everywhere we are. And then you're also cutting down your carbon footprint and elevating your sustainability story. Right, because you don't have to ship it as far in order for people to drink it. I yeah, love that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, people are so, especially since COVID, and it's such a great thing for someone, one who grew up um, on a farm and then also who has, you know, spent his entire career really in, uh, you know, looking through that lens of gastronomy. Hmm. And, you know, what's what's so cool about COVID and nobody really ever would say that those <laughs> words together. <laughs> sure. Is, sure that pe- yeah. pe- is that people have realized that you know, sourcing close to home is, is even more important. Right. And and so when you see someone who you've just given a taste of vivo to and you tell them about where it comes from they light up you know they light up on the taste because that's what we believe um is our is probably our greatest value proposition it's health it's transparency and it's taste and and it's those real ingredients that we focus on because nobody really thinks that when they taste a sparkling water that it's going to taste real Right. And so they they usually say, "Holy shit! Like it tastes <laughs> like cherries, right. or or oh my god, this tastes like blueberries." And we think, of course it does, but but it 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 now never ceases to amaze us right. because the whole category is filled with fake, fake everything. And so when we're able to connect it to a real fruit, when we're able to conjure up that whole kind of memorable moment that people have had with their first taste of a fruit or or the nostalgia of summer you know pies or whatever it might be without all the sugars and calories that come with all that stuff then it's it's this moment that as a founder or as a member of our team we just it's an unparalleled enthusiasm and excitement and that makes it extra special. And then when you can tell them that it's Jim's farm down the road or it's, you know, Margaret's farm, you know, here, it's it, it, it's even cooler. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love that you are like, you know, let, let's be real. This is not a like little mom and pop business like it is a big you guys are a bigger company, but you're doing it in a way that brings things to a local level and brings things to a smaller 
scale that I think is is the way to do it, you know? Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. It's there it's very very special when you have just let's say a a a local business or a provincially focused business. That was never going to be enough for me. And that doesn't mean I mean success is measured completely differently by everybody and that's what's so cool. And it's not my success or the company's success, the team's success is not measured by uh, dollars or, you know, there's no, there, there's no monetary value that we put on it where we, we mark that moment in time that we've been successful. It's about how we want to change behaviors. It's about how we want to change habits. And it's about the awareness that we're trying to wake people up to realize that the only way to live their, their lives is to choose real ingredients. And we're making it more accessible to people in the sparkling water category than it ever has been before. And that's the coolest thing that we're trying to do on a global scale, hopefully one day. But on a domestic scale, from Newfoundland to British Columbia, we want people to know that we care about them. We want people to know that um, we ultimately actually love them. Um, And that's why we, we, we put this into the market is that we want them to choose a better option. We want them to have a better option that's readily available. And this is why we've gone as big as we have. And hopefully it will continue to grow and hopefully nothing will change about our radical transparency and our our, our moment of truth, um, which is what is what inspires all of us every day to get up and get active and get going in this business. And you know, if this transcends across the grocery retail category, if we can change the minds of maybe even one of the big, big businesses mm-hmm. that contribute, you know, the largest percentage to, uh, of groceries to to the uh, to the industry, then that's a win for us. Totally. <laughs> well, that's it, man. That's like that is the dream, right? To to be part of the change that you want to see in the world not to you know use a heavily quoted quote but like that is really what it is it's it's do what you can to shift the culture and to make things more sustainable and more local and and i love that i love that you guys are doing it well and 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 thanks tom and you know the moment that more people vote at the grocery store checkout for real ingredients then it becomes more accessible then it becomes more readily available then people of all socioeconomics can afford it that's it. And so it, it takes leaders to stick their neck out. I mean, we, we, we are not a high margin business. We are not a business that makes <laughs> any money. We're a business though, that genuinely cares about the interest of those, um, who, who, you know, drink sparkling water. And it, again, I mean, if it, if there's a movement towards real ingredients and we've inspired that or been a part of that change, that's the coolest outcome and that's the measure of success for us love it hello present tom who's not sick here again (laughs) are you enjoying the show so far i'm glad make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode while you're at it consider leaving a rating review on apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend for every new rating review we get during the month of april we'll be donating two dollars to the depot our local food bank here in ndg they can turn every one dollar into three dollars worth of food for a family in need so by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating review of the show you're functionally donating six dollars worth of food to people who need it there is 
literally no other way to turn zero into six. So if that kind of math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. If you haven't had a chance yet to check out last week's episode where my co-host Teffer and I dive deep into bread and do a little bit of content planning for our upcoming season, because we are about to do a whole lot of content about bread, brace yourselves, uh, go check that out. Cue it up to listen to when you finish with this one. It's a really fun episode. We uh, we get a little bit silly, but we also get a little bit serious about bread, and I, I think you'll like it. It's, it's a fun vibe. It's the energy that this show goes for, and I think that you will enjoy it a lot. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get back to past me, who is a little bit sick, and the rest of my conversation with Chef Ted Grant. So last quick question for you before we wrap things up today, because I know we got to get going. Uh, do you have a favorite flavor of the ones that are currently available? Jeez. You know what? It's uh, we're, we're all over the place with this at, uh, at, at, in, as a team, as an internal culture. My personal is Apple. Um, the thing about all of them is they provide a tremendous amount of occasions in which you can use them. Sure. And so different parts of the day lend themselves potentially for each individual to, to different moments. And so in the morning, I actually, I may have a cherry after a workout in the afternoon, you know, perhaps I do want a strawberry, but the apple is my go-to. And that's why it's, you know, I love making cocktails with it, like a simple tequila, lime, apple vivo. Um, And I also, I also love to make mocktails with it. You know, you spoke of getting off alcohol. Mm -hmm. I certainly drink much, much less than I ever did. Um, And, you know, this whole sober curious crowd and this whole movement towards drinking less alcohol is enabled by, you know, having good products like vivo. So I I, I make awesome mocktails and, um, and just have it with, with supper or, or after supper. And, you know, you, you think about social events or you think about Sunday family dinner or whatever it might be like pouring a, one of the regular fruit flavored fake sparkling waters in a, in a glass and feeling kind of special. It's just, that's not possible, but putting Vivo into a wine glass or into, you know, a nice rocks glass or something, it's a memorable moment. And, you know, it's so much easier to be social in a, in a, environment where there's alcohol when you feel like you're having something you know special and you feel like you're um you know you're drinking something that is um on par and um and i don't mean that alcohol should you know i think you know where i'm at with that yeah absolutely you want to as a sober person you want to have something that feels like uh like you're part of the party totally yeah and vivo enables that to happen and so you know, I, I, I'll leave you, you know, with this. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they're, they're emotionally detached from the brands in which they buy at the grocery store. It's like a habit. It's, it's, I, we have to just eat. It's, it's something just to continue to live. And they just put things in the cart and don't think about as much about where they come from. And perhaps it's about the amount of time they have or, or whatever it might be. But when you hold something, whether it's a, a granola bar or a, or a box of cereal or, or a sparkling water in your hand, you know, I challenge people to think about where it came from and, and does the company actually genuinely care about me? And did they thoughtfully put it together, you know, thinking about, you know, all of the nuances of what's inside and all of the different flavors and, 
and the profile in which you know you've created in each flavor so that you know it it elicits these these fond memories and these moments where you feel special and you feel cared for and i think the answer 90 percent of the time with consumer packaged goods is no and that's the other thing that i really want to encourage people to do is think you know thoughtfully about where it came from and and do they genuinely care about my best interest yeah absolutely because we sure do at Bevo. There you go, folks. There you have it. Well, hey, Ted, thank you so much for doing this. It's it's really it's really exciting to hear about the work that you guys are doing. It's exciting to know that there are people who are trying to change the game a little bit when it comes to sparkling water and and when it comes to food in general, right? Like it is we hear a lot about like farm to table movements and like slow food and and all these trends but at the end of the day it's the people who change the manufacturing processes who i think are going to make the biggest difference at the end of the day like in the long run because it's it's all fine and dandy to have a restaurant that's entirely locally sourced but you're not making a difference on a grand scale that way and it doesn't disrupt the market in the same way as throwing a product out there large scale or you know large-ish scale medium scale even that that can be sold in grocery stores and and department stores that promotes this local food so i i want to thank you for that I, I think it's really cool and admirable what you guys are doing well thank you so much and thank you for giving us the opportunity to share the story um and our passion and our enthusiasm for that movement on uh, on your show and this platform before i let you go do you have anything else you want to plug or any social media accounts websites etc that you want people to check out no we're at uh, drinkvivo.com uh, uh you can find us on uh, linkedin instagram uh, facebook all the regular social channels and uh, you can find us at uh, your local loblaws sobeys uh, we're in quite a lot of Costco, save on foods, um, quality foods, all the big uh, grocery stores and uh, many of the independents. And just every time you choose to purchase a Vivo, you're supporting a local farmer. And uh, I think you're making the best decision. Amazing. Well, I will make sure to include links to all of that in the description of this episode to make things as accessible as possible for people as well. Well, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. This was a pleasure. Take care, Tom. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod or individually at TefferBear and at TomZalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, David, and Erica. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, you can head to Patreon.com slash no bad food pod to make it happen we also have merch and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at t public and of course you can support the show for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend our theme music is by zach ingles and our cover art is by david Prestart cherries flam you can find links for both of them in the description of this episode as well as links to everything that chef grant wants you to check out and last but certainly not least the show is produced by me tom zalatni and edited by me tom zalatni as part of the upford network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com see you next week you understand it just takes a little time
Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Dungeons. Dragons. Canada. The Multiverse Theory. Corgis. Queer representation. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Moose. Moose and squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Barbarians. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender. Natural Toonie. A Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Right here on the Upford Network. (laughs) Ah, 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 ah.